Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. I'm crying. Uh, I'm crying. You're all crying. If you say I'm not crying, you're crying, you're lying. And you're, if you're lying, you're dying. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I got caught up there at the beginning. Poet. So we are, as mentioned, going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume spoilers. 3. I'll tell you what. we Yeah, spoilers right here. This is going to be a full spoiler review of the movie. We've all seen it. We assume you've seen it. If you haven't seen it in theaters, don't listen to this podcast unless you want to know full spoilers about it. I don't think we're going to necessarily walk through every single plot point of the entire movie. We are going to talk highlights. We're going to talk maybe lowlights. I guess we'll see. And we'll um, break down everything, including the end credits at the end of the movie. That would be yes. big things. Big things for the future of the MCU, he said. Wink, me, wink. I would argue medium things. And I'll tell you what, that's just the size I wanted. That's oh, the size I too. ordered. Before we get into that, though, as I always like to do with this sort of thing, let's talk about viewing experiences, because I think that really affects people's opinions on stuff. We've been doing that. We've been talking through the Marvel theatrical movies. Obviously, things have pretty much reopened, even though COVID is still rampant. So the theatrical experience is a little back to normal, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but curious to hear from you guys. How did you see it? When would you see it? What was the crowd like? Hit me up with the deets. Um, I was on a three-hour conference call, and I was watching it over the edge of my laptop down the movie screen behind me. Uh, <laughs> oh, go fuck yourself, I just said dude, that because it makes me it makes me oh, legit mad. God. It makes him I mad. Would, Look how mad he gets. <laughs> <laughs> I would have jumped over rows of seats to attack you. It's very funny that that really gets you because you believe it, and that's true. That's true <laughs> to me, and it's enough of me, an indictment of me. Uh, no, I saw it 3 p.m. on Thursday. Mm, I saw the it first on the possible showing. Whoa. Yes. Um, up at Lincoln Center in Manhattan. Uh, the timing just came together. I got in there and uh, it was a great, it was like a, it's a fancy movie theater, movie house. I was right in the front of the second section, right, which is my time. favorite You're not seat. You don't have to talk about how fancy it was. Well, and I'm, that's not it a flex. It was $100 a ticket. No, no, no but the Lincoln, the Lincoln Square Theater it. is like legit one of the best movie theaters in the country. I so. agree. And it's the kind of thing where it was just a convenient place. Like, I'm not um, a movie seat snob, but when I walked in, I was like, oh, right, this is fancy butt, butt stuff I'm doing here. So I sat down on the leather and just took it for a ride. Just awesome. some fancy butt Pete, stuff. Pete, what about you? What was your experience like? Uh, I wanted a little bit more raucous experience, so I went for I'm the – Eight o'clock screening on a Thursday Ooh. night. So shouts to uh, that. I love that was, too. Uh, and how was it? Was it raucous? Did you get the full open? Uh, night there experience? was a lot of people there, um, and I wish I had saw it empty because I cried a lot. I there was <laughs> and you a were lot the of only moments. one in the theater crying. I so wish I was the here, only one crying. Like, oh my god, how I embarrassing just, for you. It, there are times where you're like, yeah, I'm cheering. You want everybody to react. And then there are times where you're like, oh, God, I'm crying a lot. I wish there weren't so many people around. Oh, I uh, love a group cry, a pub, very public Please cry. keep the lights off for a little bit longer so I can get myself <laughs> together before I leave the theater. So I have seen this movie two times in the past two days. Two is times. My, two times. Is two my times. So I almost went back. Why? But after, I went back and so after the initial reviews came out and I saw a bunch of critic friends tweeting about like, this is not for kids. This is yeah. very I serious, hardcore. It's very upsetting. And then you saw it texted me immediately when you got out, Justin. Truly. Like, it was my first thought. <laughs> yeah, I you was were like, like, not for kids. Oh, I'm not reading Justin's text because I don't want to know nothing. 
And my eight-year-old, who is obsessed with Marvel movies, I told him, I was like, hey, I just got a text from Justin. He says it's not appropriate. He's Put like, it on okay, you, Justin. Okay. You're No, no, but then a person yeah. that I know and trust versus just random critics on the internet. Don't is, trust Justin, apparently. Is, <laughs> hold on. Exactly. And told me that. Card. And then Pete, after you saw it the next day, you were like, yes, absolutely, 100% not for kids. And my son was like, can you, can you see it and just check? Can you just see it and check for me? And I was like, I really. If so this happens, basically, your son doesn't trust Justin or me at all. No, but he wanted me to like see it and check the seeds and see if it would, he would be okay with it or whatever. And I was like, Alex I really don't want to see. Alex yeah, has said his listener to the podcast. He knows not to believe our opinion. <laughs> he wants to trust Dad. You guys are just riling each other up, says my yeah. eight year old. <laughs> anyway, so I went to see it. Uh, I meant to see it as soon as possible, and uh, through various family stuff, it didn't work out. So I ended oh up God, seeing an right, eight fifteen movie on Saturday morning, which is probably yes, not ideal. I love, I oh. love that though. But it was nice. Like woke up, went to the Alamo Draft House, just chilled out, cracked a beer, eight in the morning. <laughs> Come on, let's do <laughs> it. Uh, but the very one thing that was Peter actually Quill. very nice to respond to Pete's stuff is there were not a lot of people there. So I was like, I feel very comfortable crying with nobody oh, next nice. to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to see it. And here's the thing that I throw out at you. I, like, first of all, for anybody, every kid is different. And you know this and your own like threshold for what your kids can handle is your own thing. My take on it, just knowing my kids, was I was like, and we'll probably get a lot more into this. I think the movie did a very good job of intimating things instead of showing things, particularly when it comes to the animal abuse, which in certain realms makes it more upsetting, I think. That's what I thought. Yeah, but at the same time, what I know for my kids is legitimately they just get upset about seeing blood. Like, that's the thing mm. that they get upset about. So yeah, what, what ended up what, happening was... And what happens when your kid's like, what happened to Lila? Uh, I was like, well, sometimes otters get shot, man. <laughs> I'll take you to the aquarium and show you what I mean. The and just oh, sorry, I should just take a quick Daddy, step back to emphasize teeth? why I had to do this is for yeah. for one solid week since the reviews came out, he'd be like, "Can you see the movie? Can you see the movie?" And like, legitimately, Friday night before he went to sleep, he's like, "Okay, are you going to see the movie tonight?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't know when Bobby is coming home from work. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can see it tonight." And I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and I was stumbling to the bathroom to go take a shower. And he Stumble. ran out of his room at six o'clock in the morning. He was like, "Did you see it last night?" <laughs> Not wow. no good morning or anything. Just did you see the movie? Did you see Guards of the wow. Galaxy? So I didn't see it. So I saw it. Um, felt like it was okay enough for my kids, uh, and I talked to them about it. And I was like, "I will sit next to you, and I will let you know when the scenes are coming up or anything like that." And he was wait, like, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Good. Yes. So let me get. Were you like, "Hey, listen. Let's say I had this cuddly bunny. Right? <laughs> Would you be upset if it?" died right in front of you if I just killed it. Well, with here's God. another thing. Would you and be I, cool I've been picturing Pete when I say this out loud. My son doesn't have emotional reactions to movies. Wow. Oh, boy. He doesn't. And it's it's. I don't weird. know if you should be bragging about that, bro. <laughs> no, I'm not bragging about it. <laughs> uh, it's very weird. He just does not have them most of the time. Because maybe he's being scarred, and but he, he gets uh, like he gets upset about seeing things. He gets very upset about like language. So I kind of laid out for him without spoiling anything some of the stuff that would happen. But we went to see the movie this afternoon, and I sat next to him. And every once in a while, I'd be like. 
your scene coming up where Star-Lord's going to say a bad word. And he's like, okay, thank you. And thumbs up. Mm. Or like, hey, something upsetting is going to happen with the animal characters in the scene if you want to look away. With all the animals. With all, and he was like, oh, is one of them going to die? And I was like, yeah, and just watch I'll and see. All of and them then, then he paused and he was like, are all of them going to die? <laughs> So we watched including the adorable animals that are on a whole planet. Are they all going to die, Daddy? Yes. Yes. Yes, Everybody's going to die. Except for the Guardians. They're fine. Uh, But the thing that I was kind of happy with and sad about at the same time at the end of the movie is he had an emotional reaction to a movie for the first time watching this movie. Where specifically he kept talking about... Uh, to jump into like specific plot points, the scene where Rocket is sobbing after and screaming at the high evolutionary after his friends have been killed, he was like, that was really upsetting. And I didn't want to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did it. You had an emote. You emotionally connected with characters in a movie, but it was kind of good to see. On the other hand, my uh, older kid uh, was so traumatized for the entire movie, she couldn't stand up at the end. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, you really like, took a gamble. Yeah, with really your kids so, so well, you lost her. You I lost her hard. before. And it was like, are you going to be okay? And she was like, yeah, I'll be fine. It's no problem. And at the end, she was like, I can't move. <laughs> Some sort of a half success apparent. <laughs> exactly. I traumatized say, only 50%. Uh, uh, yeah, a, a W and an L. So sorry e. to go on about that. It was just like a very particular no, experience. I like that. And I think that's very like uh, illuminating about the movie because and I your also. your parenting styles. And your parenting style. <laughs> and, it, well, and just the way it affects people because I also think I was upset for a lot of the movie for a wide range of reasons. Like I feel like this movie's upsetting in, in I mean this positively in like nine different ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so like and but I think it's also a more adult, higher level emotionality happening here, which is a huge credit to the movie. While we're talking about emotions, can I just uh, s- say this so I, I can emotionally get this rock off my chest and move on? I know. Okay. Going. This could okay. be huge. No, okay. I, I know what it is. No, I'm just listing the parts where I cried. Oh. oh. I thought you were going to jump right into the Marvel flip. What's going on here? It's feeling, I feel like I need to <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, Who what is you? going on over here? What is happening? I'll tell you what. Mar- like, I like this Marvel flip here with, like, showing off the Guardians and the whole history. Very sweet. They're overdoing it a little bit. Like, hey, you need why to- you shut your face? <laughs> well, I actually, you shut I, your I, face. I love the additional thought that goes this into This is the, the last flip. one they get for a while. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I, I think that sort of like you, Alex, I actually like it when I see the other characters in the Marvel Universe in the flip and not oh, the ones ooh, we're about to spend two ooh. and a half hours with. Because it, then I'm reminded that we're sort of it's a tapestry that we're seeing here. And I don't mind like a joke or a nod. But when it was like all the Guardians, I was like, oh, yeah, all these guys we're going to hang out with for the next two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. yeah. It also, oh, well, this I'll is also sad throw that out I'm you, Mike, not getting... to get too grim. The three times I think about that they've changed it, maybe there's been more, and somebody could correct me about this. But after Stan Lee passed away, they changed the credits, so it was yeah. all Stan Lee. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so emotionally funny. Sweet. And on Black Panther 2, they ch- after Chadwick Boseman passed away, they are like, all Chadwick Boseman. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, this is so emotionally affected. Yeah. And this one, I was like, these are fictional characters, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> it was still a very touching uh, Totally. Flip. And it is a goodbye to this franchise in some form, in <laughs> Subway, yeah. So I get it, but hey, do you think it was almost like it uh, served the purpose of like a recap page in a comic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it was a little bit I which that. that I would give them functional credit for that because uh, it did it did do that. It was like, right, that 
And it, and it sort of was a nice bracketing the the Marvel flip and the credits, which were all mm-hmm. pictures from the previous movies, which I actually really liked at the end. Because then it was yeah. like looking back at the yearbook because we all just graduated from Guardians yeah. University. And then that, there's that one picture that kind of pulled me out of it because I was like, wait, who are those old people? And then I was like, oh, it's James Gunn's parents. OK, OK, that was yeah, a yeah, which is so sweet. Yeah, there was also something with uh, Groot holding a severed thumb, which I did not remember. Maybe that was from remember one of yes. that part. Oh, it's such a funny. A huge part of the second movie in Guardians Two, when he's they're when asking him to bring stuff, and then he brings over a thumb, oh, and they were like, "What, what dude? Saying. What do you?" Okay, never. Yeah. Where'd you get the? And it was a, it was a great just unex. That was such a great sequence in that movie, mm-hmm. and yeah, that really was the was. funniest. I forgot about one. that. Yes, and uh, also there is while we're talking about that a Stan Lee cabio in a certain sense, which yeah. was kind of sweet as well. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right, Pete, list all the times you cried. Okay, yeah, sorry. I just got to get this cry list uh, off my chest, and okay. then I'll be able to move on. Um, is this in life you've cried, or just the Guardians movie? Just this Gar- Guardians movie. I was but a young baby, most... Pete LePage, born my first word, <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, so I cried um, uh, when Rocket got on the uh, intercom uh, and to tell everybody it was okay, and the nebula stops in her tracks, and then I just immediately started bawling. And then I cried when they did the Yandu kind of flashback, and that really got me. And then I mm-hmm. cried when Peter finally got to hung his, uh, hug his grandfather, even though back in the first movie I thought his grandfather was a real dick to him. Um, and then I cried uh, when Gamora got hugs from the Ravengers, and she was in her happy place. And then I cried when uh, he said that he was done running. Rocket was done running. And they, oh, yeah. And that was like a happy cry because I went into the like the slow motion kind of thing uh, of like badass kind of walking. Some beastie boys, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, that was just and then and, kind of and like, right now and right and now. right now. But also just like the emotion of like, holy shit, this is the last one. Like as the credits were going, it was an extra just an extra cry. Well, I, I cried at, at some of those points. I cried just randomly. There's something about the characters in these this movie when they're together, they are always trying so hard and messing up. It just makes me emotionally. And I, ever since I became a dad, I cry way more than I ever did before. And I cried a decent <laughs> amount then, so I cry all the time. But, like, when they're just trying hard and doing, which is the whole movie, I was like, wow, this makes me cry a little. But I, I'll tell you what really got me is when the line, um, Drax, you're not a destroyer, you're a dad. Oh, man. That's that number one. Number one got got me so, of the movie. Like, I got my eyes were wet yeah. for many times. I was, like, sobbing. <laughs> I was shoulder body. I was full body. Fortunately, the seats were big, so there was not to flex on the movie theater again, but the people around me had some space, so they couldn't see me going. (laughs) I'm a dad, too. Oh, God. Well, but I think uh, so. uh, This, again, is getting into like actual plot points about the movie. But uh, Drax's arc was (sighs) so wonderful across this. And particularly, uh, I didn't pick up uh, exactly on this in the first viewing, but in the second viewing, pretty much everybody's arcs are laid out in that first scene. When they're going through nowhere and they're showing everybody from little things to big things, they're setting up the things that pay off at the end of the movie. Like, specifically for Drax, Mantis is kind of dancing while she's painting nowhere, and then she turns to Drax, she's like, come on, why don't you dance? And he says, no, dancing is for stupid people, which obviously is playing off of the dancing thing from earlier movies. They've joked about that. good joke. But that whole arc over the course of the movie where ultimately Mantis, even if she takes it away from him, she makes him forget, calls him stupid, and she's not saying it 
derogatorily. She's saying it positively about this is who he is and we love him anyway. And yeah. then ultimately at the end of the movie, he dances is him embracing that. He's embracing his Being own stupid. self. Being stupid. He's daring to be stupid, if you will. <laughs> wow. Daring to be stupid. But I, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Also, just the whole idea of he started at this place where he had lost everything. He lost his family because of yeah. Ronan and then transferred it over to Thanos to ultimately having 300 children that he's going to be taking care of is just beautiful. Well, and like, agreed. Like, if we just want to talk about Drax, I mean, the, maybe my favorite character in this movie, like he gets to come through, be a badass, has the best jokes of the movie sort of across the board and then get to have this hero arc, huge emotional moment. The th- the moment when he's, well, first off, the only note I took for the whole movie was the line that I think Nebula says, uh, they only know three words and two of them are Jub. <laughs> really, <laughs> really made me laugh. But when he speaks to the kids, I was like, ah, oh, great choice. Great to have mm-hmm. him be on it. Mm-hmm. And then he, at the end is so happy He's uh, this is probably the last we'll see of Drax just because um, he's not the Dave Bautista is not coming back to the role, supposedly. So to have him have this great arc in the last moment, just like cutting loose to Florence and the Machines, just like great. Yeah, I mean, that brings up a good point. The music again was just crazy solid. And was it this was like a watching MTV for an hour in the 90s. <laughs> it's crazy how many needle drops there were, how they were very effectively used. Yeah. And didn't it, it only seemed a little gratuitous, but there was always the next one was always good enough. That was like, OK, that one was worth it, though. Yeah. <laughs> he really knows how to make it work. I mean, that's because yeah. James Gunn thinks about the music and he writes to the music and he includes the music. You know, one of the big things that I was thinking about afterwards, both with that and I know this sounds very wide ranging, but this is a there's a lot of plot here. It's a character's first movie. Like, I think that's one of the big difference between this and a lot of the Uh, recent Marvel movies as we've been criticizing them in various fashions and talking about them. I think this is the one that's like. All of the plot comes out of the characters. It doesn't work without the characters. It doesn't work if you don't care about them. 100%. And that's where it goes to. It's the same thing with the music. He's thinking about why he's using it. He's not just being like, oh, man, wouldn't it be funny if they did this walk to uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn? It's perfectly timed out the way that yeah. it works from the Peter putting in the music to be like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this action sequence. And everybody would be like, I don't know about this. To them smashing through the wall on those giant beasts and ultimately all uh, crew it up, going into that room and having that amazing hallway action sequence. Oh. It's all timed out perfectly. It, like you're yeah. saying, I think not gratuitous is a perfect word because none of this feels gratuitous throughout this what was What was really interesting, and, and I didn't realize till I was watching interviews with James Gunn after this, that um, Rocket is his favorite kind of character, and this was kind of like his way in uh, to this movie. He was really worried about Rocket being just kind of like this Bugs Bunny side character that didn't really fit. And it wasn't until he came up with his origin story that like a lot of things clicked for him. And so that was interesting to kind of... Uh, I felt like, you know, we got this in this movie, but to kind of say that, like, Rocket's the center character, I wouldn't have guessed that in earlier movies, but it's Lila interesting. Lila says it. She says it's been your story all along. Yeah. And it it's, I would have not think, I would have not thought that would have been possible 
before seeing this movie, but it, I, I do agree with that. And it, he, the way that this movie, I mean, the guardians has always been about like misfits, underdogs, find a way to get through. And it was mostly through the lens of Peter Quill that we saw the first two movies, but with rocket and this story and the high evolutionary and what a maniac asshole he is, <laughs> they picked the most possible underdog and the most possible overdog to be in this movie. And they didn't put too much juice on the villain. The villain just was a great villain that we didn't have to do a 30 minutes backstory on. And I think it's basically the opposite of what's happening with Kang where Kang is like, wait, you got to learn more about this guy, this multiversal version of this guy and then garbage. And then we meet the next Kang in this. It was like high evolutionary. He's a bad guy. He has bad ideas. He's cruel. And he can't get over the fact that this raccoon came up with a better idea than him. En- enough. It's just enough. Well, and it's uh, great. I 100% agree. I'm going to horribly maggot his name, but the actor uh, Chuck Moody Iwuji, who was mm. also in Peacemaker and was really good at that. Yeah. But I don't think you could have ever seen this. I, I think some of the acting choices that he made in this movie were so good one yeah. of the scenes that just stuck with me, and I think a little bit of is the, is the camera angle, but when the high evolutionary is freaking out because what baby teen rocket, whatever it is, has suggested has fixed the evolutionary process, and he's just stumbling almost drunk yeah. to him and grabs him, throws him to the room, and he does the whole, how did you know I created you? How did you do this? Uh, I'm obviously paraphrasing terribly, but there's a way that he's doing that where like they film this shot in wide and he's just standing towards him with like this Lancer's pose that's so aggressive, but so holding back at the same time. Like there's just this, the way that he holds the body, the way that he uses his voice, it could have gone so horribly wrong at any point in the movie. And he modulates it perfectly. It was a, it, it was a weird idea, but you know, it made me think, a lot about James Gunn, a lot of his movies are about like fathers and fathers and sons and all of that. And we saw that very nakedly shown in Guardians 2. And that was sort of one of my least favorite parts about the movie was how like direct it was like dads are sometimes bad. And I was like, great. In this, I feel like, again, the opposite (laughs) and done so smartly. It was like the high evolutionary is the bad dad, but it's done in like a creator subject way as opposed to a direct father-son relationship which was great and then the stumbling in that scene made it feel like an alcoholic father it Mm. in the wildest most heightened stakes situation they could have created and it's just really smart writing there yeah we should by the way by the end of the podcast we should rank the guardians movies where they are in our minds we could do it right now if we want to i'm ready yeah justin take it away three one two Wow, Pete. Yeah, I. Uh, no, no, I'm gonna go one, three, two. You don't, you can't fall into the recency bias, but I'm Mister Recency Bias. <laughs> I agree with Pete. You're I all think. about the recency, but the one it blew, it changed. You know, like the humor of it, the tone. It really blew things, the possibilities wide open for Marvel, for uh, what these movies could be and what they can accomplish, how weird they can be, how great. And I will say we should we could maybe talk about this later. But like, I think Marvel took a lot of the Guardians formula and did it well. 
but then it also messed him up a lot in like phase four with what they mm-hmm. thought they could get away with. Um, but I also think, cause I love one as well, but three is a harder movie. And the fact that it came off, it's harder in the characters are further down the pipe. There's so many more characters they have to figure out and give arcs to. And they did it and still were able to hit the visual marks and make mm-hmm. weird choices like meat planet and yeah. still crush it. Like that's, but, I Go mean, ahead. it's also like we have they they're making funny choices, right? So in the first one, the climax is a dance battle. In this one, it's the face-off movie with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta kind of jokes. And I think it it just it's a little lighter. It's a you know, it's a lighter watch. It's it's also a ton of fun and the, the first, first time that you're kind of getting this sense of music and I, I don't I don't know. It's just hard to you, that's what got us here. We couldn't be if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be well, having this. So let, let me throw out a couple of things just responding to that. Um, one, I've seen a lot of people say this is the darkest Guardians movie ever. This is like a total slog. No way yeah. you're going to get through this. And. Uh, to me, this felt like a Guardians movie, because if yeah. you look back at the first Guardians movie, first five minutes, his mom dies of cancer and then he's taken into space. And yeah. at the end of the movie, we're reminded of that when he's about to die, when he sees his mom reaching out to him. You cry at that point. The second movie ends with Rocket shedding a single tear because the only man who has ever seen him for who he is has died and is getting a heroic tribute. So like you get these moments throughout the, all the, the entire series, this to me felt totally consistent with that in terms of that. I agree. It, it's, it's, it's very just consistent. More so. It's more it, so. Well, in it's, terms it's, of, yeah. it's more so. And the, the story points you just described about the first two movies are sort of the conventional tragedies. Like that's a classic fairy tale, like parent dies at the beginning and that sets off the journey. This movie, three, was so unconventionally sad and unconventionally structured so that mm-hmm. we kept every time we flash back to a rocket sequence of his, uh, his growing up. Oh. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I Teeth? know. It was like, oh, you know what? This is, I don't want to give James Gunn notes or anything like that, but I know he's really into the music like we talked about. What would have really helped those sequences for me if there was a little Sarah McLaughlin, some arms uh, of the angel yeah, type yeah. thing oh, playing in the background. God, put, that, you put that online and get, get uh, 10,000 likes right now. <laughs> <laughs> easy. Oh, easy Twitter so win right there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> All right. Right after we get off, I'll do that. I mean, um, just showing – if you put the sequence when they're playing that ball game, and it's all fun and just put the Sarah McLaughlin song <laughs> oh underneath that you are that's a vi- that's viral instant viral Somebody oh my god that's it. great that would be so great for me and I'd make so much money uh, I want to put a little <laughs> bit in this discussion because I do want to talk more about the animal cruelty aspect of it because I've just seen some uh, pushback online I think but I wanted to get back to what Pete was saying about the humor this this is something that we discussed back when we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on the podcast and I think I felt a little bit better about it the second time through but the first time through the one thing that put me off about the movie is how shouty everybody was and mm. i i think like we Sad talked like about an old man well yeah because i was like whoa my hearing <laughs> aids are going off oh gotta turn these down it's too loud in here no I, get off so, my lawn i say Guardians. i'm gonna repeat what i said on the guardians galaxy 2 podcast and i know you guys know this but this is for the listeners there is a modulation you could do in terms of humor, in terms of shouting. And there's a point when it goes from funny shouting to just screaming at people, where to me, it is not funny anymore. And 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2, one of the reasons that I don't like that movie as much as Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is that, that it's a lot of shouting at people and they're making things that have the structure of jokes, but they don't quite come through in a humorous way because it's too loud and it's too sharp the way that they're delivering it. I feel like it was very similar with a lot of the jokes here. I, again, felt better about what the second time through when I was watching, I think some of this stuff softened because I was used to it and I was ready for it. But I still think there was a lot of screaming that went on at each other that made me feel like these people hate each other, not they're annoyed at each other, you know. I love screaming, and uh, I also think it's a great way of expressing yourself. But you understand. You've done comedy (laughs) live on stage for years and taught people. Yes, Sorry. Sorry for your ears. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, but you understand what I'm saying, right, Pete? Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. So I, uh, I, think, I do think Peter Quill has this thing where he kind of yells things, you know, like when he was doing, he's screaming at the, uh, you know, the bad guy, he's calling him Skeletor, and he says, you know, you're like a purple nurple and a Robocop, and he's screaming those things, and they're all hilarious. I, I do think Chris Pratt actually did it better in this movie than a lot of the other folks. I think there were times in particular that Palm Klebentaff, who is freaking hilarious, oh by the way, God, it's so great in this movie, and Karen Gillan, when they were shouting at each other, there was a sense of real hatred that came through yeah. that felt maybe it was purposeful, but it took away from the humor of the moments the way that I, I thought they were aiming for and you can tell from the press conferences that they hate each other because they're super nice to each other and feel no, like I they've know known each other their whole lives. Yeah, it's you know not I mean? a documentary. I know that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that just getting back to the rankings thing, I think I agree with Pete because the first one to be is the funniest one. And then second and third, there's a little too much of that shouting. It gets a little too Suck it, Justin. <laughs> I stand by three. Three yeah, for me, it's baby. The newest, yeah. newest and shiniest always wins a just. Here's another. Time. Here's a positive thing I'll throw out to get off that. Um, the team dynamics in all of these movies, but particularly this movie, is phenomenal. The way that yeah. James Gunn balances everybody is great. And that's yeah. hard to do with all these characters with all different ideas and sort of different character games. But the thing that I think James Gunn does well, and I think this really helps with what you're saying, Alex, is finds a way in the middle of a high stake situation to just do a great bit. Like when they're um, trying to get into Meat Planet and uh, Peter's trying to talk to Gamora and he presses the wrong button and the nonsensical <laughs> comms uh, glove thing. I thought that was so funny. And then it just it's just like a 90 second scene. All jokes all hit back into it. Great. Yeah. That's great. And all the stuff after that, too, and just pretty much everything that happened in the Meat Planet was so funny. Nathan Fillion's character. Oh, my God. So good. That whole hilarious. thing, like, I got one of those two bit was <laughs> yeah. hysterical. Great. That was great. And I love they set that up, and I was like, oh, what a funny little toss. Yeah. This guy sucks. And then it became like a whole, whole, <laughs> whole mini character. Whole yeah. Thing, yeah. So funny. Uh, that thing, them throwing their spacesuits into space and just yeah. Mantis being the only one seeing them drift by, also yeah. very funny. Uh, all that stuff was great. It was really good. Um, let's the, talk about – oh, go ahead, Justin. I was just going to keep talking like the bit where um, – where, uh, Star-Lord fools the woman into giving him, I just want to say a couple things to these people. And then just sends there. I was like, yeah. great, great undercutting of where, because so. I, I was, after that love confession, I was starting to worry that 
that Star-Lord, the whole movie was going to be sort of a sad sack. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the, just a perfect time to flip him. And cause he is good at his job and they did p- pick the perfect time to give him a win. Right that there. was another thing I was really struck by, by this movie in particular is the sense of progression, not just in terms of emotionally of the characters, but in terms of knowledge that a moment like that, or when, Star-Lord, it is a very meta moment when he's yelling at the high evolutionary. He's like, oh, my God, I can't take another impotent maniac who just wants to take over the galaxy. They've been on so many adventures together. They know this stuff. They've got it down. Down to that little twist where he keeps doing the it's not a trap. It's a face off. He's set up this stuff with Groot. They've done this a million times, probably in this band. Mm -hmm. And I I love that. I love that sense of history there, because even if we haven't been we've only ridden with them for like five, six adventures, something like that, including the infinity war and Endgame stuff. It's, they have had a lot more things that they've done and they know each other well and they know how to work each other. And you get that in the movie. Yeah. I also just really love like the, the, the attention to detail and the callbacks and the nods to everything. I mean, the fact that we have this kind of like, uh, I want to jump all the way to the end, I guess. But it just the the fact that, like, you know, he risked his life for that just Zune, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it was just such a nod to when he dove out into space to save Gamora, you know what I mean? Where it was just like these well, fun. It was that. Kind of that was like, another thing that was set up really nicely at the beginning, I thought, because when he's completely wasted. And Rocket has the music. Yeah. Rocket comes in and he's like, you stay away from that. That's not for you. I told you to get your hands off of that. And that's ultimately the journey that he goes on with Rocket at the end is he's giving him this captainship. Yeah. He's giving him the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's giving him his music and going back to Earth. So I, I thought that was very nicely done. Well, and how – what – in the moment did you think we were – Star-Lord was dying? What's your heat check on that? Every single moment with every single character, I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> legitimately throughout the movie because like and, and this gets you into know, there isn't another one right you exactly. know Dave, Dave uh, is not coming back so you're just like oh maybe you know this is going to be you know. well and I, I do think and this is probably going to be a mistake for when all three of the Marvels die in the next movie or whatever but I feel like we need to put the oh this character is going to die thing away for a while because great Guardians of the Galaxy, going into it, myself included, I was like, who's going to die? Which character's going to die? They're all going to die. None of them die. In the, what was the previous That's how movie? you walk into movies? No, but yeah. that's... He says it about people just, he's sitting just, with, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this character's going to die. <laughs> I hate riding a train with him because he's like, yeah, that sorry. guy's going to die. That's this guy's going to die. Conductor's right going down. I see their deaths. I see their oh, deaths. Uh, but then the same thing happened with Ant-Man where people are like, oh, it's the third Ant-Man. Scott Lang's going to die in this movie. Of course he didn't. In Doctor Strange before that, they're like, oh, Doctor Strange is going to die. He didn't die. Like, they keep... We keep thinking it because we've been trained to think it for these sort of movies. They're not doing that. Well, and I think one reason, smartly, is with the snap, um, I think a lot of people died with uh, – no, in – That snap, okay. The blip, like when all those characters died and then came back, it's like they just did that a lot. So not doing that again – Makes a I lot thought of sense. you were going to be like on Snapchat things that you know they only last a couple. Of, uh, and then <laughs> well, they, yeah. no, there's a crazy <laughs> thing that I just learned is in the original draft of Infinity War, Thanos said with one Snapchat of my fingers. <laughs> yeah, he I turned did. him into Snapchats and then right, ended up he Snapchat dancing hot dog. And, oh yeah, man, and like, uh, it didn't work for the Snapchat audience. reference. 
didn't work for the audience. But no, I I mean that seriously. And it's also just a better choice. It's a better movie that they lived, but they're off the board for future movies because they're raising 300 (laughs) alien children (laughs) in nowhere. Like I I would much rather think think that that's what they're doing. How great would it be to get to grow up in a giant empty floating head in space? I mean, oh, what a life, you know? Mm, yeah. In a way, aren't we all in a giant wow, floating head in that's space? True. Whoa. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but that's did you bad. think, did you really, I thought Star-Lord was dead right there. I thought Star-Lord was going to die at that moment. I thought Nebula I loved his line, to, though. Like, did that look cool? Like, that yeah. was such that was a great, funny great, bit. Because obviously, yeah, yeah it, it looked horrible. It was Plus so friends. Funny. Plus they're all, it just made yeah. them friends. And when you're with your friends, you have lines like that where you're like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we certainly do. We say them all the time. <laughs> but like when you're like, uh, uh, it's just, there's just a million of them. I love it. The uh, the moment when Nebula is like, ah, I'm the only one who could pilot the ship and everything exploding. And she's like, give me your comm. I was like, well, that's it. That's uh, Nebula's going to do the goodbye speech at this point. And then she did it. She was just like, I have to go. And she was fine. The moment. And Nebula I'm, was awesome in this movie. So good. Uh, let's get just, into her in a moment. I just uh, wanted to mention the moment when I thought Mantis was going to die. And I'm really glad they didn't go with that. That would have been crazy. No, the, uh, when the three battery-eating beasts... The way yeah. they set that up and the way they paced uh, it out, agree. I was so sure just gonna be that she was going to reach out and he was going to go oh. and eat her. But that would have been particularly reckless with a character that has become <laughs> yes. such the emotional core of these movies yeah, and the character yeah. we ride with. Star Lord is pulled off a little bit, I think the right choice. And Mantis is who we ride for here in these movies, in this so movie, and in the the Christmas special. Who you ride for? Uh, I'm rocking yeah. all day, bro. Well, we could probably talk through all of the other characters we've touched on Drax and Star-Lord a little bit at this point. Why don't we talk about Nebula? Because she did such an amazing job of this movie. Oh, my God. And that whole scene. As a real person. I want to be clear. I'm talking about the real person Nebula did a great job. Yeah, yeah I agree. That whole scene where she's in the elevator and, uh, you know, Quill is recapping all the things that happened. And then she just kind of goes, well, he's, you know, taking some liberties. But that's basically it was just uh, so amazing. And then that whole part where she's looking at Peter and he's doing the like, you have beautiful eyes moment. And she's like, ah, just like, oh, just just perfect. Just so well done. Well, they found a way to warm her up yeah. with the group. Which is still- hard to do because she's playing this, like, robotic killer who is a horrible sister. I could, every time she grunted at her sister, my heart was just Of course, swelling. you loved it. Oh, I know. I feel like God, you're going to start grunting so- at your brother or us from here on out. Yeah. But I, I was going to say, like, they found a way to make her love them but also hate being around yeah. them. <laughs> That's very hard. That's so family, yeah, that's family. and real. Yeah, that's exactly. what I'm saying. Yeah, and they yeah, pull exactly. it off in these in this movie. It's great. So good. Everything that she did, uh, I thought, was great. And like you're saying, just the development of her over the course of this movie is there's a seismic leap for Nebula in particular that I think is informed by the fact that she bonded with Tony in Infinity War and then up into Endgame. And same thing with Rocket, though a little less so. Uh, We don't quite get this in this movie, but I I think that allows them to grow her in a way because if you think back to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, she was still kind of a villain there. Like, she had a catharsis with Gamora. She ratted him out. Exactly. But uh, ultimately she jumps forward in a big way here, and I love where she ends up too. Uh, She smiles? Oh, 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 my God. Oh, really my great. God. 
Yeah. That got me, like you were talking about the moment when she cries when Rocket is okay. Oh, dude, she stops, and I just lost it. Uh, so I really wish there were so many people who could see my shoulders moving, <laughs> because it was just like, oh, my God. Well, and she also had some badass moments, too. Like, whatever yeah. that angel suit thing oh, was, yeah, the hand dude. cannon, that has to be some anime reference that I completely missed, because that feels like... That feels like what that it's is. It's Battle Angel, yeah. yeah it's, is it Battle Angel? Yeah. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, Great. That was cool. Uh, that was very cool. And also in the hallway fight where her head gets knocked off and she's oh, still fighting. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, while we're on that hallway fight, they really, like, we I, knew there was going to be a big fight. And it could have been easily a throwaway thing. But they really upped the how they shot that. The close-up yeah. action following. Because it was sort of almost like... The the plussed up the um, evolved Pokemon version of the Avengers fight in mm-hmm. in the first Avengers when they pass off uh, the battle they did that but it was all so close up and so like just every, it was seamless in a way that I never like lost focus on it it kind well, of reminded was... me of like a Daredevil like hallway fight where you're just like oh mm-hmm. this is so enjoyable and so that's well everything choreographed. reminds you of that yeah. Every it's time you go cool. to a hallway, you're like, is Daredevil here? Is he oh, so are we going to fight? Yeah. The, let's do it. Let's do it. One I wanted take. to say that I feel like every movie, or at least every superhero movie involving a team, has lived in the wake of the first Avengers. And not just that fight scene where they're zooming through and checking in with everybody, but that shot of them all assembled where the camera is spinning around him, that iconic shot. Yeah. Everything has felt derivative of that pretty much since. Yeah. The one exception, I think, is the Guardians of the Galaxy series, where James Gunn has found new visual iterations and new ways of showing these moments that don't feel like uh, he said at any point in the room, we got to do that Avengers thing that they did. Yeah. What if that look cool? Instead, it feels like something new. It's that. And also that last fight with the high evolutionary where you think it's just going to be rocket versus the high evolutionary one-on-one and then everybody's there and taking them down in their own way. Phenomenal. It's the whole team working together, all doing their own stuff, but it doesn't feel like I'm watching Avengers again. Yeah. Uh, What other characters should we talk about? We mentioned Mantis a little bit. Anything else that we want to say about her? What a come up for her just from the second movie through this Christmas special into this where Mm -hmm. she's such a comedy driver. Her and Drax like messing with each other is so fun. Great dynamic. It was weird when they were going separate ways at the end of the movie. It felt I was like, no, you guys stay together. I like you guys together. Well, do you feel like that's motivated specifically Mantis leaving? I wrestled with that a little bit. I think I end up on the positive side, but uh, I'm curious to hear from you guys. To me, it felt like she's still on the board for use in another Marvel movie or TV series, while Drax is less so. It was a badass walk away, though, when she like walked away, and then those two giant monsters from the second movie were rolling like, with her. Hypothetically, she could end up on Earth in some sort of Star-Lord uh, mm. limited series, mm. hypothetically. Since they are um, brother and sister, it would make a lot of sense for her to um. show up with an idea of something they had to do. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Put it down um, in the permanent book. I'm, I win that one. So one thing that we haven't really talked about at all, we mentioned Rocket, but we didn't really go through Rocket's storyline. Um, How could you after we just lived such a trauma? Like, I, it feels weird to kind of then do it again. You know what I mean? 
It was so good, though. All of those characters were so good. I love those characters from when I first encountered them reading Incredible Hulk. I I think they were in the uh, Crossroads saga is when he encountered them or something like that. Uh, Whatever it was, it was a very early issue of Incredible Hulk. And you have these. They're basically like funny animal characters in space. That's pretty much all they are in the comics. But Rocket Raccoon, I think he was called Walrus instead of uh, Teefs. Um, and all of these other characters. Lila was there, of course. They're very different to the comic books, but I really love them and I enjoyed them. I think the riff that they found here was so beautifully done. You, yeah. it, it reminded me instantly of Sid's toys from Toy Story. 100%. Yes, yeah, it's not the same thing. Where it's like these broken things that look horrific at first, but as soon as you get to know them, you fall completely in love with them. Well... <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Not what I expected. Okay, you don't Bob like Teefs? Shell from the podcast, Pete, what are you saying here? What's he going doesn't on? like Spider-Rabbit? You don't yeah, like Spider-Rabbit? Spider-Rabbit, I never really... I was Does like, yo, you that freaks me out. Floor? It, the the saw spider oh. rabbit is uh, you know what I mean like rabbits are adorable but spiders nah so it was a weird combination for me where I was like floors you you know what I mean like, oh, you see, stay right there yeah, see Teefs so, is the one Teefs is the one where I was like this guy's not gonna make it as soon as I saw him I was like you think those wagon wheels are gonna make it onto the guardianship no way oh. the way that storyline rolls out the way that it was filmed was so beautiful. Um, the seed where they're playing tag to since you've been gone. Oh my God. That got me right in my heart. That was great. And frankly, it's devastating, but the way that they paced out that escape scene with rocket and his friends leading to their deaths was perfection. Like it It was was perfectly executed across the board. So good. So yeah. heartbreaking. The fact that later when he comes back, the key card still works. Oh, and then he encounters dude. the baby raccoons, like looking his past self in the eyes. I was like, man, they got me. I didn't see the key card thing coming. Him keeping it as a thick, as a promise to himself that he has to go back and close this loop and get his revenge and, you know, free everyone that's there. I thought I can't I, I didn't see it coming at all. And it was emotionally so resonant by the end. Here's another uh, positive shout out I want to give to this movie is right after uh, that moment, he looks up at the nameplate and after. Oh, my God. You have the raccoon and he finally realizes. He finally realizes it. And they played this bit, not just throughout this movie, but all of the movies at this point. Yeah. Him saying to the high evolutionary, my name is Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. That Ah. was another point that got me. And it got me not just because it works in the movie, but also because we have seen so many of these movies and scenes where they like hold back on the name of the character because they think it's dorky or whatever. They do the thing where he's like, well, sure, I dare as a devil. I guess my name is. (laughs) And then it comes to Daredevil at the end. And you're like. Just say the name, whatever, it's fine. I've never felt that at any point with Rocket Raccoon. You just accept that his name is Rocket, but it's so satisfying at the same time to hear them say that out loud. Fantastic. Um, What other characters should we talk about? We didn't really mention. Oh, go ahead, Justin. We probably should talk about Adam Warlock, a huge uh, comic book character introduced in a surprising way. 
And um, I'll t- throw my lot in first. Like I, I didn't at first I was like, I don't know about this. This is not quite what I want. But by the end, I was like, this is what I want. I like the swerve on it. I like that they brought back the sovereign to give us Adam Warlock in a way that felt like coincidental in a smart way. And then when he he saves Quill at the end, I thought oh, like my God. just another way that the Guardians, they're, the way they live – influenced this villain in the smallest way and it saved Quill's life. Because Groot saved him. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was great. I was thinking about you while I was watching it, Justin, because I know you love Adam Warlock. Love Adam Warlock. Yeah. I have no emotional connection to Adam Warlock whatsoever. He just always seemed like the golden guy who came in in comic book crossovers and be like, all right, now let now I'm gonna figure this out. And I was like, I don't know, I don't have any. Well, he's but. he's always this mystical, like mm-hmm. high thinking galaxy character. Is like, well, I if you trust me, in, in Infinity Gauntlet, just epic arc, great introduction. I loved him in um, all the series that Adam Warlock in the Infinity Watch. Great, which is very Guardians of the Galaxy esque in that it's like a team of misfits featuring Gamora uh, trying to make make do. And so when I first saw it, first saw it, he was just like such a doof. I was like, what are we going to do with this doof? How is this going to be part of this? And they pulled it off. Yeah, yeah they sure did. And having no connection to him, I really liked him throughout. I liked, like you said, the connection to the Sovereign. I think having the high evolutionary, I, I thought they tied in really nicely, having these two villains in a way that I was not expecting. Um, yeah. And I think that worked together nicely. They also paced him out really well throughout the movie. That was something that I was much more aware of on the second viewing, where just having him pop up at infrequent points reminds you he's there, ultimately leaving a, leading up to the saving of Peter Quill. Um, it is great. And Will Poulter is great. So... I'm excited to hopefully see more of him the, in the MCU. The, what's very interesting to me is you going back to see it a second time because it's like I was. I'm like, okay, I got to be ready again emotionally to do this. Uh, were you a little hydrate. nervous? Yeah, were you nervous about emotionally going back in to be like, oh, man, I gotta. Am I going to be able to? Like, were you worried that you were going to cry at different spots at this? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I I was definitely like I don't want to be sobbing in front of my family necessarily. Oh <laughs> man, I, think- I cried for my kids all the time to the point where they're like are you crying all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, my my wife and uh, daughter took care of all the crying for us. They were just like sobbing next to me the entire time. But oh, to my well, son, I, I had a mission. I had to be like, I have to focus on this, know when the points right. are coming up that he's going to be upset about. So it helped a little bit. Oh, okay. uh, but definitely when we got to the dad, you're not a destroyer, you're a dad line. I was like, don't look at him. <laughs> don't, don't look at my, don't my look son. Don't look at my son. I'm going to ruin this moment. My little jub-jubs are right next to you. Uh, we haven't talked about any of the stuff with Craglin or Cosmo. Oh, my I, God. Cosmo is so great. Yeah. Very fun. Craglin also, like, the, uh, just the, yeah, the fact that he's kind of, like, taking over with the whole kind of arrow thing was just such a fun choice. And the way it kind of came together was just, oh, man. Really, it finally really. made sense that the arrow was very powerful. I will say, when it, he figured it out and he f- could save nowhere, I was like, "How are they going to?" There's like thousands of these robot animals mm-hmm. coming at you. There's no way they're going to win. And then I was like, "Oh, the arrow, perfect." Yeah, and then he finally called Cosmo a good dog, which is very oh sweet. my god, that it's was also such a fun bit. 
Yes. I, love I thought that. that was such a, like, at first I was like, oh, God, is this going to keep going? Am I going to? But they did such a great job with that bit. It was just so well done. And then finally when he gets the good dog, oh, oh my God. Um, how about Gamora? We haven't talked oh, about yeah. her. Gamora. Wait, I, I did want to mention one more uh, before I forget thing about Kraglin and Cosmo. This is kind of about them. But the moment that I lost it the first time that I saw it in the movie theater was nowhere coming through the jump point mm. and to attack the ship, just having this awesome giant skull thing versus the giant ship. That was rad. And the that's cool. that got the, you. you? That made you cry. You were like, no, Oh my it didn't God. Make me cry. That was the moment head. I was like, yeah, clapping oh, to the theater. Okay. It was oh, so okay. cool. I and having sure the cannon my- coming out and being like first, first, whatever they said, like yeah, yeah. first bit, second bit, third yeah. bit, fourth yeah. bit. It was great. Super fun. Did you guys see it in 3D, by the way? No. 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 Not I did. Why don't you don't make that face? No. I, I enjoy it. a little extra. Gross. Oh, uh, one more thing. Wait a second. Because there's a really fun part where Nathan Fillion's like flying at mm-hmm. the audience in 3D. It's an extra. Did you try hilarious. to kiss him when he was coming towards you? Yeah. yeah it flew you got to right kiss him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a flash on screen. Kiss Nathan Fillion now. <laughs> kiss Cab. Give up. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, mi- you guys missed it because you didn't get it in 3D, so you didn't get the kiss cam action. Oh man, I just wanted to mention the poker game just as like a little Easter eggy thing that I thought was very fun, just because it paid not so sneaky tribute to all three of the movies. You had Howard the Duck there, obviously, yeah. which is great. Good to see him again. Um, you also had the lead singer of the old 97s who popped up in the holiday special. And there was also, I'm completely forgetting the character name, but the guy they were trying to sell the orb to in the first Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy right. was there as yeah. well. So very fun. I felt like it was just a way of being like, yeah, let's bring these guys back to we're finishing off the trilogy, throw some extra characters in there. It was nice. Yeah, they did a, a really good job of kind of recycling uh, characters from stuff. Well, and we saw a lot of other comic book Guardians characters, um, the little sort of dog type alien that um, hangs out with Adam Warlock is very much from the comic book Martin X who's like the diamond face guy who we saw in the second one. The um, red sort of dragon-y guy is a comic book character. Who uses the Doctor Strange portals. Yeah. 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 Uh, And Sylvester Stallone, who's a classic character from the comics as well. Exactly. (laughs) Tiny role for our our guy, but fun to have him, I guess. James Gunn was doing a good job of bringing back his friends from other movies. I mean, you know, like we saw a lot of DC kind of like crossover stuff. Uh, Daniela Melchior is the one who played Uta or whatever her name was. The one who was helping them out. Uh, Also, one of uh, James Gunn's very good friends, his wife, Jennifer Holland. uh, It's a good way to put that. It's another (laughs) word for wife. It's beautiful. Really good friend. Yes, exactly. Buddy, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll just mention, just because we're talking about this in the podcast, it is so weird to me that people online are upset that he casts his wife and stuff. That's very strange. It's like, why? Who are you defending? (laughs) I'm sorry that his wife is a pretty good actress who is very beautiful, who he loves hanging out with and spending time with on set. I'm sorry. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Unless you're like very close with an actor who was up for the role and it went to his wife, then maybe you could get a little grudge. But otherwise, let it let it be. Yeah. As long as he doesn't cast his brother in anything. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be the worst. That would be the worst. Yeah, That's if his up. brother played three different roles or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Gamora since you brought her up. How did you feel about how she was used in this movie? Well, here's the thing. Since the holiday special, I have been really hoping that they would get back together. But the fact that they made this choice that she really did die and this is a completely kind of different version of her. I liked the way that they played that. I still wanted more, but I was I felt like it was a smart enough choice where I wasn't super angry about it. You know what I mean? What I liked about it um, is that it you could see her sort of falling for him again, and they a did it in bit. a they yeah, did yeah. it in a background, very subtle way. They almost kiss. I like that they didn't. Yeah, I like that we we it's like we started the rom com in the middle of the movie and didn't get far enough along to get to the end. And sometimes that's how it happens in real life. And the fact that that's where we got, it's opened the door for more. Everybody's alive. Um, I don't think um, we're going to see Gamora back again unless there's some sort of extreme. Zoe Saldana is not said, has said she doesn't want to play Gamora anymore, but um, it's on the table perhaps. So I, I liked it, even though it was perhaps not your rom-com ending, Pete. Yeah. I felt like it was a, it was a tough watch. I appreciated the thought that they put into it, but that, Gamora spent the entire movie being like, I don't want to be here. Uh, please yeah. let me go. I want to leave. I want to leave. I don't know any of you people. Stop talking to me. Leave me alone. It was a lot of, to talk in comedy terms, like it was a lot of no but, it felt like yeah, at times. That's fair. That's which true. made it made it rough. But I agree I like with the you. reality of that choice, though. You yes. Know I, mean? I, I think it panned out nicely because, like you were saying, Justin, it is a smarter choice emotionally for both characters rather than having her be like, suddenly I have all of my memories magically from the original yes. timeline and I love you and I'm back in the end. Instead, we do get, like Pete mentioned, that lovely moment to the end with Ravagers where you realize, oh, she has this whole other story going on. That's she why has she this whole other, yeah, exactly. exactly. And it also emphasizes this smarter thing for Peter in terms of, he doesn't, they keep telling him over the course of the movie, go back, to your home, you don't need a relationship. You've been drowning yourself in all of these other things instead of facing your problems. Do that instead. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was nice. Again, tough to watch, but just because something is tough to watch or complicated doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. True. Yeah. yeah. What other notes do you want to call out for the movie? I really well, we think... Should... Uh, I but, just wanted to say, like, I really think of the sign of a good kind of like end movie capper movie is the fact that you immediately want to run around and go watch it again. And I really had this feeling like after this movie, I went and watched the holiday special. I then went back and watched the first one. I, I think I watched Ted Lasso and then yeah, watched the yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just think it's one of those things where it's a really great sign of a, a great ending that makes you want to kind of go back to the beginning so you can kind of do it again, you know? Um, and I just wanted to say that this movie does achieve that. Uh, should we talk about a couple post-creds? Let's do it. Uh, can I mention one quick thing from the movie that I think was my made me laugh out loud the loudest? 
Uh, this is the first time I think I have ever laughed at anything Pete Davidson has ever done. Uh, the yeah. little horrible pig blob creature that uh, Mantis lets go when they're freeing everybody towards the end of the movie. Pete Davidson does the voice, but just having her scream and then see that blob creature and the way Pete Davidson says, thank you, made me laugh. Gotcha. Wait, wait, you're talking about uh, the one where Palm is talking to, to that horrible creature and was like, I was looking at you, I was looking. Yes, at yeah, guy. I think it's called Lamshank or yeah, something Yeah, no, like no, that. that's that's the director. That's uh, No, that's Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson does the voice. I thought it was Gunn himself did that voice. Mm, I don't mm. think so. You want to uh, look it up? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, you look that okay. up. We'll talk about the post credits in the meantime. Uh, I uh, hope I hope it's God because then I'll successfully never have laughed at anything Pete Davis. <laughs> your dream, your yeah. early dream. Um, we get a new Guardians team out uh, out on the prowl, which uh, was fun. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's just sort of. I didn't take that as like, and here we go. This is the team for Guardians for okay. so much as. Rocket Happy. Exactly. The mission continues. We've got to see Philavel in here. Very is, cool. I think in main con in the comic book continuity, she is an alternate yeah, universe says, version of Captain Marvel. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. It says James Gunn is Lambshank. Hmm. Who did Pete Davidson play then, Pete? I don't think Pete Davidson is in this movie. He definitely is in the movie. Okay. Let me find out. Yeah, okay, you lack that up. So we get that first credit sequence, uh, very fun. We get an enormous Groot here. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about Groot at all. Uh, You don't care. Well, he was too violent, I thought. Hmm. I didn't, well, that was my one, maybe one criticism is like, they go out of their way to be like, well, let's not kill these certain people. Let's rescue all these animals. And then there's a point where Groot's like, Let's end Starler. Like, let's kill them all. And Groot kills all of them. I was like, Jesus, unnecessary. Yeah. I was kind of cool with all the guns and everything. And then flying Groot was fun as well. Uh, yeah. That was pretty cool. The moment at the end, though, where Groot says, I love you guys. Um, great moment there. Uh, Pete Davidson played a character named Flet- Flectic. Which I think is the character Alex is describing. It, well, Maybe that's the Lam thing. Shank. There are two. There are two. Th- there are two sources, and both are saying <laughs> Lamb Shank. One is saying Lamb Shank is played by uh, James Gunn, and then this other source, The Guardian, uh, is saying. No, I'm sorry. Independent uh, uh, website is saying uh, <laughs> that this describing the exact same thing, but not calling it Lamb Shank. Saying how you said it, Justin is played by Pete Davidson. By so. the way, I don't want to spoil too much. But for the I rest remember of the listeners. credits and, and seeing during the movie it's saying Lambshank, uh, James Gunn, because I was like, oh shit. Um, by the way, uh, this is me uh, injecting some audio that I recorded after the podcast. The next hour of the podcast is us reading articles. <laughs> <laughs> We're journalists. Yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever it is. I don't know. Let's not spend too much time on this. Um, the uh, line at the end, I wanted to mention, I said about Groot where he says, uh, I love you guys. Yeah. So my immediate impression of that, which I was very happy to find out was correct because James got it confirmed it immediately, not to me, to other people, um, is that 
we are hearing that because we all are part of Groot's friend group. We are all friends. We are all family. Of oh, my God. I know, right? Isn't that great? We speak Groot. By the yeah, end. we speak Groot. Because that was the whole thing that they were playing out, particularly over the course of this movie. And uh, they paid it off because Gamora we... does have a nice yelling line where she was like, I know, you know, stop saying your name or I know your name or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a fun. And the offhand way she does it when she finally understands yeah. it at the end is so lovely. It's great. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that final credits, post credit sequence. Ooh, we get to find out that Star-Lord is going to be mowing somebody's lawn and he doesn't like it. Well, uh, what do you think that means? Get, there's Star-Lord something like return. a little a serial chat in the morning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, about that scene, I think the basic idea here is that he went from saving the galaxy multiple times to he's sitting and eating cereal with his grandpa, talking about mowing law. That's the whole bit. Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. And but, then you say something to your grandpa, and they are like, don't get me, don't get me started. Yeah. There's also a fun little Easter egg there on the newspaper where they shout yeah, out yeah. Kevin Bacon being kidnapped by aliens, which shouts out to the holiday special. Um, but we do get that title to the legendary Star-Lord will return. I think you called it out, Justin. They have an opportunity to do a great Disney Plus series where yeah. Star-Lord is on Earth and he's telling everybody, yeah, yeah, I saved the galaxy a bunch of times and nobody cares. Yeah. So I feel like that could be a fun comedy with some action elements. Could be a, just a straight comedy, I think, mm-hmm. also. If they committed to just it being like small town Star-Lord. It would be very fun. But my gut says it'll be start there and there'll be some sort of perhaps Mantis-inspired uh, adventure that they have to go on. Yeah. Uh, I I also think, you know, it's rare where you get kind of like one thing ending and another thing beginning. I, I'm excited about this new Guardians team. I think it's a very cool team. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to see more adventures with these new guys. This, this seems awesome. Well, it's definitely an open question whether we will get any more movies in the Guardians franchise. Normally, you would think, you know, as we're taping this, it did, I think, $114 million over the weekend, something like that, which is not fantastic by Marvel movie standards, but it's fine. I do think this movie is going to have legs because it has really positive word of mouth, so it'll continue for a while. I wonder if it didn't do as good because it's not as kid-friendly, like if it would have been... I think there's a bunch of different factors there. If I'm going to put on my box office head, uh, box office head. I don't know what that mm. is. Uh, one of the. Horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, it's horrifying to watch him switch heads. <laughs> I do think one thing is Marvel fatigue and superhero and comic book fatigue. That's certainly a non insubstantial. What is factor. that? I don't even know what that means. Not to you, but to the general audience, they're like, yeah, they've kind of moved on to other things. So there's that. There's also Marvel fatigue in terms of people have not particularly loved the past bunch of Marvel stuff that's necessarily come out. Um, There's also uh, a general feeling of like, oh, the Guardians again. People didn't love the marketing for it. They felt like it was kind of more of the same. Um, But I think Mm. people are going to hear this really is a concluding chapter to the trilogy. It has great emotion to it. Love the movie. So, uh, again, I think like it's not going to drop 70% to the next weekend. It's going to stay around for a little while. Yeah. It's got to be a good movie if all three of us loved it. You know what I mean? No, that doesn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
It's the funnier rare. thing, if you want to talk about box office, is that Chris Pratt has been dominating the box office for the past couple of weeks with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now he's going to be dominating the box office for the next couple of weeks with Guardians of the Galaxy before he transfers it over to Vin Diesel for Fast 10, who Vin Diesel, is, of course, does the voice of Groot. All the cast, they're doing it. They're really doing yeah. it. Yeah, Aquaman's also in that movie. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's, That's when the gets passed. Yeah. Uh, Great. Uh, well... We haven't done this one in a while. We're sort of already touching on this, but why don't we go to our vision board and talk about mm. what we think is going to be next for the Guardians. If anything, we've talked a little bit about potentially what a legendary Star-Lord series could be like. Do you see these characters popping up anywhere else? Um, I could see the um, the new team, Guardians team, popping up in a, like, as we get into the larger a crossover or Secret Wars buildup. I bet we'll see them yeah, there. That would be awesome. Yeah, I would love to see them uh, in other kind of like cameos and stuff. But man, a TV series dedicated to them would be amazing. Three or four movies with them in it would be really fun. I'm all in, man. <laughs> I think we'll have to see what happened. Bob Iger, who is heading up Disney right now, has been kind of negative about the idea of ongoing series going on. Whatever, forever. Bob. There you go. Uh, So we'll have to see what happens about that. I also think with the pullback on Marvel content, there's less of a chance that we'll see a Guardians 4 like two years from now from a different director or anything like that. Yes, Pete. I have a question. Yeah, what's uh, So I feel kind of weird uh, saying this out loud, but I feel like I'm in a safe space. Hopefully you guys won't be too Yes, I will marry you. I Um, love you too, Pete. Well, weird that that's where you guys went. Um, So there was a big deal about swearing. I, I didn't notice where the swear happened i didn't even <laughs> you didn't I, hear swear, I swear so much in real oh, life it the didn't thing even that my son hated more than anything else and talked about the entire I, I was home. like when did it happen i was looking forward to it it was one of the things so i was like yeah we're gonna swear i'm gonna feel like myself in this and i didn't even I, it happened and went and i it didn't even uh i will say i was surprised wh- why they did it there it's is it close the fucking door when they're yeah, it's get in the fucking car. Get in the fucking car. It's when they're on the oh, animal planet. Yeah, yeah. She's doing the trying to get you know figure out how doors work in the eighties. I thought it was like just a, a throwback to being a kid and like your parent being like, "Get in the fucking car. We gotta go." Yeah, that's probably and, why it didn't even because that's yeah. That was my that whole childhood ha- was getting yelled at like that. Because yeah, they had to fight for that. You know, they had to, to put that no, in. No, they didn't, actually. So a uh, little bit of backstory about it. This was from an interview with James Gunn. Apparently, there was an F-bomb that the Russos wanted to put in Avengers Endgame. I don't know exactly where that is. But I should have looked it up. But basically, Kevin Feige I think said, Captain America was going to say, fuck, I'm holding this hammer. He was going to say, <laughs> Avengers fucking assemble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were going to put it in. Apparently it played really well with audiences and then they thought about it and Kevin Feige was like, Hey, this is going to be the first F bomb of the MCU. And they were like, Oh, we don't want that to be our legacy. And then James Gunn on set, when they were doing this, he fed 
the line to Chris Pratt when they were filming the scene. It's like, just do a take with this. Just do a take where you say, get out of the fucking car and we'll probably cut it later. And they did it and they thought of what he said about it. It was, he was like, you know, sometimes stuff is funny on the day and it's not funny in the cut later, but they put this in the cut and they were still laughing out loud about it. And Kevin Feige came to him and he was like, okay, it's your choice. This is the story with the Russos. They didn't want this to be your legacy. And James Gunn's reaction was like, if you think telling me that is going to make me want to put yeah. this in the movie less, yeah, you you're don't insane. know. Yeah. It's the opposite. That's yeah. funny. So there you go. So that's why I and put it in. Probably, at least for a while, his last Marvel movie. There you go. Yeah. Well, definitely for a while, his last Marvel yeah. movie. <laughs> um, just talking about the Guardians characters, and then we can kind of wrap up here. I do think they're going to want to use Chris Pratt at some point, regardless of whether he's drawing in people for the box office for these movies or not. He's like the top box office earner other than Tom Cruise right now. So they would be dumb not to use him in some way. And like you were saying, I think a series there would be very fun. In terms of the other characters, I don't think we're going to see them until like a Secret Wars or a Kang Dynasty or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's true. I think yeah. it may be a Doctor Strange situation if we get more yeah. of that. But uh... Maybe they zoom by them in the Marvels or something. I guess we'll see. It would be nice to see them again. But for now, it is goodbye to the Guardians. If you all would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Comic Book Club. I'm crying again. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Pete, once you start crying, you're never going to (laughs) stop. (laughs) Oh,